Hey, creep. I want to tell you a tale, if you're ready to hear it. It may not be pleasant. It may not end the way you want it to. But this story is gripping, and as fascinating as it is shockingly horrifying. Are you ready? My name's Cole, and you're listening to Tales. From the outside looking in, things don't always appear as they truly are. 19-year-old Leah Porter, for example, had ambitions of becoming a licensed massage therapist and using her hands to help people with chronic pains and aches. But unknown to her family and most of her friends, Leah was using heroin. And as she fell into that terribly devastating addiction, depression quickly set in. Each day, there seemed to be less reason to get out of bed. Each day, something that once brought joy was now dull and meaningless. As a result of the heroin addiction, Leah dropped out of college as her priorities and mood shifted. Shortly after that, she moved to Denver, Colorado, where a friend, 23-year-old Christopher Wade, offered to house her, giving her a place to stay while she fought to shake loose the shackles of her heroin addiction. Creeps, no one can get through life and all of its struggles alone, and Christopher seemed to be the helping hand in a world that seemed increasingly dark. He would help her fight the addiction. He would hold her accountable and not simply let her off the hook as she moved through the stages of withdrawal. But I called Christopher Wade a friend. In reality, he was more of an acquaintance. Leah, along with her brother Max, had grown up with Christopher and they had all known each other from high school. He was someone who was familiar someone she could trust. He was that unexpected person she had reconnected with on Facebook after losing touch with when she left for university. And to top it all off, they had chatted back and forth for three months before she had made the move to Denver in order to kick her addiction. But by June 3rd, 2014, Leah's mother and brother, having not heard from Leah by phone call or text for a number of days, began to get a bit worried. They had kept in contact, but she had simply just stopped responding. The messages were delivering, of course, but they simply weren't being read or, as her family began to worry was the case, something more terrible had befallen her. Perhaps her addiction had finally won. Two days passed, with no answer from Leah. Finally, her mother decided it was time to call Christopher to ask what was happening with her daughter. When Christopher answered the phone, he explained that she had indeed arrived in Denver, Colorado, but on the same day that she had arrived, she left with another person. Upon hearing this, the Porter family quickly called police and reported her missing. Authorities arrived at Christopher's Denver residence and were quick to locate Leah's car, which was still parked safely in Christopher's complex parkade. Inside, it was also still filled with all of her bags and suitcases. Everything she owned and had taken with her accounted for in those bags, which were still locked away in her car. Things she clearly would have taken with her had she actually left willingly with another person. Investigators were immediately and rightfully suspicious of Christopher and asked if he would willingly allow them to search his residence. And partly to their surprise, he was accommodating, opening the door and allowing them inside. 
but she wasn't in his apartment, nor was any sign of her, so a formal search began. As the days passed and that search began to become more active, volunteers began canvassing neighborhoods and Christopher joined in as well in his own small part, sharing missing posters of her to his Facebook page and commenting, please Leah, come back to us. By that point, she had been missing for a number of days. Her family was searching with the help of Christopher and other friends and community members, but something just seemed off about the entire situation and scenario. Her bags, her belongings, and her car all sat untouched at Christopher's. If she had gone on a drug bender, she would want to pawn off those items, especially with a car that could fetch a pretty penny. So why was it that it still sat untouched? Max, Leah's older brother, began to recall high school rumors and gossip surrounding Christopher. And when Max asked old classmates, they too remembered the stories. They even recalled that Christopher had a journal that he would write in about capturing and raping women. Someone who seemed like a helping hand and an old friend willing to assist Leah in getting clean to others was remembered as creepy and vile. Of course, Max passed along the information to police who quickly began looking past the clean exterior that Christopher had presented to them and began to look into his past. It wasn't soon before they found his military records, and according to those, Christopher had been discharged from the army after admitting that he had tried to kidnap, rape, and murder a girl in high school, but stopped his attempt only because the victim's sister had arrived home. When police had previously examined Christopher's apartment, they had found a large duffel bag full of women's panties. They of course asked him about it, but he had explained that the underwear were his because he felt more comfortable in them. That was certainly an uncomfortable response for police, and it was also very disarming. Unwilling to pry further and with no evidence of a crime at the scene, police decided to just let that dog lay where it may. But upon revisiting Christopher's home, with the search warrant the second time around, police collected his computer, which they later discovered was filled with a search history containing links to both bondage porn as well as child pornography. Not only that, but even more disturbing were the large bloodstains found on Christopher's mattress once the covers had been thrown off. Unable to confirm the blood was in fact Leah's at the time of discovery, police charged him with what they had evidence for, which was the voluntary and willful consuming of child pornography. Christopher was booked and shuffled his way into a holding cell while charges were being laid and a preliminary court date was set. But while he was there, police decided to make the most of their time and interrogate him in regards to Leah, as it was becoming abundantly clear to investigators that the likelihood that he wasn't involved was slim to none at that point. Now, two interesting things happened very close together, perhaps even simultaneously, creeps. I can't find a clear enough timeline to pin which came first, the chicken or the egg in this scenario, but I can tell you what those two interesting events were. During his investigation, directly before asking for a lawyer, Christopher divulged to police that he had supposedly been having vivid and realistic dreams that Leah's body would be found in a landfill. The second event was Leah's cell phone pinging off his cell tower. The location of her cell phone was, of course, the local landfill. 
The interrogation ended the moment Christopher had requested his lawyer, but what he had just started with this slip of the tongue was a monumental search for Leah's cell phone, and potentially, and likely, her remains as well. 50,000 tons of trash was excavated, spread out and examined. Police diligently filed through the muck and filth, the rotting dinner leftovers and soiled diapers, all in the hopes of finding something, anything that would either point to Leah's final resting place or her whereabouts. Eventually, police uncovered Leah Porter's phone, the needle in the 50,000-ton haystack. They also managed to find her wallet as well as her clothing. But what they didn't find was Leah Porter. Everyone believed Christopher had killed Leah. Her friends and family, they all waited for the terrible news. And the exhausting process of seeking justice after that discovery, it all loomed over them. Getting justice, finding Leah, none of it could happen soon enough for anyone involved. But the worry began to sink in that without a body, there would be no conviction. Perhaps there wouldn't be formal charges in a trial at all. Without a confession from Christopher, it would be next to impossible to prove without reasonable doubt that he had actually, in fact, murdered Leah. Max Porter, Leah's brother, hadn't given up, though. No matter how painful, how sickening it was going to be, Max began to put forth a plan wherein he would actually befriend Christopher. Max stated in an interview with 2020, I started making him think that he could trust me. I started making him believe that he was helping us look for her. Christopher had been released shortly after his interrogation, having made bond for the charges that had been laid against him while he waited for a trial. Meanwhile, Max and three of his closest friends tracked Christopher down and requested to meet up with him at a park, meanwhile recording the interaction on his phone. Max pleaded with Christopher, You need to tell us right now, dude. I need my sister back, dude. I'm going to kill myself without my sister. If you did something really, really bad, I will forgive you. I just need to know, Max said. Christopher listened intently to Max's plea. And at the end of it, after a short moment of silence, he broke. Christopher fell apart, letting down his walls and began to tell a story of what had happened. He began by insisting strongly and falsely that Lee's death was self-defense. He confessed to Max that he had strangled her and sliced her body after she had brandished a knife, attempting to cut Christopher himself because he wouldn't buy her drugs. His confession continued as he claimed that he had put Leah's body on his bed, placed a bag over her head and stuffed her into a duffel bag. Christopher continued, still explaining. I did the only thing I could think of. God help me, I put her in the dumpster. Max Porter flew into a rage hearing the horrible details of what had happened to his sister. His friends pulled him off of Christopher, but not before letting him get in a few good hints. As Christopher's rage was replaced with inconsolable grief, he dialed his mother's number and told her what had just happened. Leah's mother then called 911, and through her cries and screams, she said, Oh my God, my baby, my little baby. That guy just admitted he killed my daughter. Meanwhile, as Leah's mother was speaking to police, Christopher himself was also calling 911 to tell police that he wanted to admit to the murder himself. Christopher was charged and offered a plea bargain. 
for pleading guilty on charges of second-degree murder and sexual exploitation of a child. He would receive 48 years in prison. Police have never been able to find Leah's remains, nor do they believe Christopher's story. Whatever happened, it wasn't an act of self-defense. But sadly, we may never know the full truth. So, creeps, that brings us to the end of our tale. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, please consider becoming a Patreon member by visiting patreon.com slash talesbycole, where we release a Patreon-exclusive podcast weekly for Patreon members generous enough to donate $5 or more. If you have some time on your hands, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. They are so incredibly important in getting these stories out there. And even more importantly, every five-star review gets me one step closer to moving out of my mother's basement. You can also join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Tales by Cole. This episode was written and narrated by me, Cole Weavers, and sound production and editing by Matt Black. Remember, creeps, take care of one another, stay safe, and don't forget to lock the doors.